Hello, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. This week I'm going to be talking about the film Sorry to Bother You, Three Identical Strangers, and Leave No Trace. Um, uh, three very different films, but I mean, that's that's often the case with uh, these episodes. Um, first film that I saw, I'm not necessarily doing these in order, but uh, the first film that I saw and the first one I'm going to talk about is uh, Sorry to Bother You, which is the <clears throat> directorial debut, feature-length directorial debut of Boots Riley, who is um, primarily known as a musician. He is one half of the rap group The Coup, C-O-U-P, um, and he is also a member of a band called the Street Sweeper Social Club, which features him and Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Um, this film, uh, sorry to bother you, you know, I had heard him on Mark Maron's podcast. I heard Boots Riley on Mark Maron's podcast talking about it, but it was, it was a film I had already seen the previews for, um, and, uh, was intrigued, uh, you know, just just by the, the cast alone, I was interested in seeing it. Uh, I wasn't familiar with Lakeith Stanfield, who plays the lead, but Tessa Thompson has been in quite a few things uh, recently. Um, Terry Crews has a small role in it. Um, uh, Stephen Yoon, who's uh, I wasn't aware was in this until I saw the movie, but most well known as playing Glenn on The Walking Dead for many years. Uh, Danny Glover. Um, and then Army Hammer in uh, a very, very different role uh, than the role he played in Call Me By Your Name last year. But again, um, another excellent performance for from Army Hammer. I was He was an actor who I was worried after the tanking of the Lone Ranger film in which he played the Lone Ranger that his career was going to dry up. And thankfully that has not happened. He's done some interesting work in the years since then. Uh, there's also vocal performances by Patton Oswalt and David Cross, um, who are two of my favorite comedians. And uh, so this is a satire, first and foremost. And, you know, uh, I had seen the trailer um, after seeing the film. You know, I made some comments online some about an element of the film that I had no idea was in the film until I saw the movie and uh some people said oh yeah that's in the red band trailer which i did not see and you know it's interesting just how marketing is done differently to different audiences but uh, uh you know it is it is satire as i said um but it's also in i you know i struggle with how much i want to say about this film only because i don't want to ruin it for anyone but um i guess because Boots Riley himself spoke about certain elements. I mean, he was cryptic about it on Mark Maron's podcast, but he did speak about certain elements. Um, it is a science fiction film. You know, it's a it's a it's a comedic satire set in a, a world very similar to ours, um, uh, very in the very near future. Um, you know, it, it looks to be in the next five years at most. Um, you know the technology is no not really different than uh, what we have now. Uh, it's just socially the 
United States has changed a bit. Um, there is, but you know, it about two thirds way through the movie, you know, in the third act, it takes it veers wildly uh, in a different direction. Uh, I mean, it stays it stays satire the entire film, but it, it, it the sci fi fantastical element which had not been really mentioned at all in the first two-thirds of the film just pops up. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of a head-scratcher. You know, as soon as I, as soon as I, as soon as the credits rolled, I turned to the couple that was sitting a few seats next to me, and I said, were you aware that this element was going to be in the film? They said, no, I had no idea. So... I wasn't the only one. Um, it's it's very well acted. Um, the script is fairly well written. I mean, it's a film that uh, Boots Riley uh, worked on for quite some time. I believe 2011 is when he started working on it. Um, not not necessarily filming it, but um, wrote a short script and uh, and. Uh, uh, I guess he was working at the Sundance Institute, and it took him a while to get it actually made. But um, I don't know. It was a very, very well-made film, and I did not enjoy it at all. And I don't know who I would recommend it to. If that sounds like I'm being cryptic, I'm really not trying to be. I don't want to. I don't want to give it away, uh, other than to say, if you're on the fence, and if full frontal nudity bothers you, um, particularly male full, full frontal nudity, then I, I would say skip this movie because there is a bunch of uh, full frontal nudity. There is a fantastic element to it, but it is graphic and, you know, it's done for a reason, I think, but um, I don't know. It was just kind of a, a ridiculous film. Uh, some some uh, some reviews that I've read have said, you know, compared it to this is Spinal Tap, which, other than the fact that it's, I mean, this is satire. This is Spinal Tap is more of a parody um, in that everything in this is Spinal Tap could happen, and it's really not that far off from stuff that does happen and did happen. Where this, uh, as of 2018, with the technology that we have and our understanding of genetics, could not happen. So. There's the difference. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm glad Boots Riley got this made, and I'm glad, uh, you know, there was a studio that was going to finance an ambitious, bizarre project like this. I do see a lot of strange, independent films, and, you know, I'm also glad that so many bigger-name actors were involved in this, but uh, as far as recommending it, I... I, I, I really couldn't. Um, this is a tough film to give a numerical grade to because it was very well made. Every, uh, all the performances across the board were excellent. Production design was... Um, I mean, I, I, let me say a little bit about that. It, it, it was very much reminiscent of late 80s, early 90s films, particularly um, there was a movie called Freaks um, that this reminded me of. And... Uh, it doesn't look like a movie that was made in 2018. It looks like a movie that was made in 1989. Um, not to say that it looks cheap, but it has a very distinct look to it. And uh, 
Yeah. So, just the fact that it was well made and I didn't enjoy it doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile film. I just, I really, this is a very limited audience. Um, it's also, some of the reviews are saying it's, that it's bitingly funny and um, I thought some of the situations were amusing, but uh, as far as actually being funny, I didn't find the film funny. So I, as far as being a comedy, it was far too cerebral to really be a comedy, and uh, it wasn't funny enough to really be a comedy. Um, yeah, it's just a weird movie, and it wasn't sci-fi enough to hold my interest either. Um, it was, you know, a, a strange gumbo that of many different film styles, and just it. It didn't do it for me, but, you know, perhaps I'm not the target demographic, but I really don't know who the tar- target demographic is. Does, doesn't mean I need to know either. But, yeah, so I would give, um, sorry to bother you, uh, a 5 out of 10. Um, my enjoyment of it is actually probably closer to a 4, but the the crafting of it would be a 6 or 7, so I'm going to split the difference and put it out of five. Uh, the next film I saw, I saw last night. Um, uh, it's a documentary called Three Identical Strangers, which I, I, I knew just the premise of it, um, which is there's three twins, or um, triplets, sorry, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are the only, uh, the only uh, twins that there are three of. Um, but uh, three brothers who were separated at birth and didn't discover that they had a brother or brothers until they were in their uh, till they were nineteen, so late teens, just about twenty. Um, so it sounded interesting to me, and you know, going into it as it unfolded, because it took a while to unfold. Um, I found out that this was actually a fairly well-known story in the early 80s. Um, they were on Donahue. They were on a lot of different talk shows, Good Morning America and the like. So, I mean, I was too young to remember. I was I was five when these events happened. Um, but I guess they were in the news for, you know, a couple years at least. And this isn't so much about that, but it does deal with that. It's more about... A the f- what happened in the years after their initial moment of uh, infamy, their moment of celebrity, and then also why they were separated to begin with. And the 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 biggest problem that I had with this, this is a CNN documentary. Um, CNN just started making films in the last year or so, but the biggest problem that I had with it is it didn't focus enough on either one of those things. Um, we got enough of an in-depth look at the brothers' lives afterwards to be interested and, you know, have a connection to them, but you didn't get to know the brothers well enough uh, before it started exploring uh, the fact that this is, this, the reason they were separated was not an accident. And this was a this was an engineered experiment, and that they were not the only ones. And um, you know, it touched on that, and it took a much darker turn 
than I had initially thought it would have, and you know, some might say a sinister turn um, when you found out the, they were part of a human experiment, um, a psycho psychological experiment that involved several sets of twins, and they were the only triplets involved, or at least as far as we know, because the study has never been released, and um, you know, it's very troubling. And you know, after I saw the film, I found out there was another documentary made about the exact same study, and then. T- Two of the twins who were part of this study had written an autobiography ten years ago. Um, I, I'm interested to check out both of those just to see if there's more information in that than what was in this film. Um, you know, you. I was interested in because it's it starts out the story of these three brothers uh David Kelman, Bobby Shaffron and Eddie Galland um uh, I wanted to know more about them and I didn't get as much as I was hoping I would get um you know uh, uh, there was an uneven tone to the documentary as well it started off because there are a few reenactment scenes and they were well done but it had a very um American true crime kind of feel to it and then it was pretty much abandoned later in the film Uh, there was enough archival family footage to use that to tell about stuff that had happened in the past and um, one of the it it built some tension because there are current interviews with two of the brothers and you know I noticed early on that the third one uh, not only was there no interviews with him, but he he was constantly referred to by family members in the past tense as was he did this he not he does this so I you know I knew I, or I was pretty sure that he had passed away and um, you know it takes more than an hour to get to that and uh, it's touched on that. <clears throat> The experiment that was done, that, that, that these men were a part of, uh, might have played a part into that, but it didn't really explore it. it. It explored a lot of different themes, but just kind of skimmed the surface, so it was frustrating in that aspect. It, I was interested the entire time, but I didn't leave feeling satisfied uh, that I had really learned a terrible amount about it, so that was frustrating. Um, so... You know, the film is doing very well in theaters, especially for a documentary. It's made, I believe, four and a half million dollars already. It's definitely worth seeing. It's one of those things that, um, you know, it it could have either been cut down to an hour instead of 90 minutes uh, and been more succinct, or it could have been expanded to maybe a miniseries and explored a lot more of these subjects and topics that are brought up. The problem is, it's mostly inconclusive for what they talk about. So um, I, I think that's why they didn't do that because th- they pretty much put everything that they had into this. And so, you know, again, with a documentary, you you never know how it's going to turn out. And in this case, it didn't turn out. It, 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 it left more questions than answers. So um, definitely worth a watch, but kind of unsatisfying as... A film in and of itself, I'd give uh, th- three identical strangers a uh, 
I would give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, and then the last film I saw was Leave No Trace, a uh, new film by Deborah Granick. Um, most well-known, I think, for uh, directing and, I believe, writing Winter's Bone, um, which was Jennifer Lawrence's kind of breakout film. Uh, this film uh, stars, uh, let's see, uh, Ben Foster and um, Thomason McKenzie, who is, I believe she's Australian. Uh, I'm sorry, New Zealand. She's from New Zealand, and, you know, she's a... She's a young actor. Um, she is between 17 and 18. Apparently, uh, she was in The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five, Arm- Five Armies, as Astrid, which I don't know who that character was. I did see that movie, but those Hobbit movies just kind of... I glazed over it. You know, I was... So, that w- I was still in Arizona when those first came out, so that would have been at least five years ago, so she would have been... 10 or 11 at the most um but this was an incredibly assured um stoic and powerful performance for from her Uh, i actually thought she was a little bit older than she is i I assumed she was 20 or 21 so um i i really think she's going to get uh some nominations when the award season comes around um and and rightfully so ben foster was excellent as always, I mean, I can't say I've seen Ben Foster give a bad performance. Even in movies that aren't great, he's always great. And so, uh, yeah, um, it's you know, it's about a father and daughter who who live out in the woods. Uh, they live in a, a, a national park or a, or a state park uh, in Oregon, and um, he is a uh, war veteran who's dealing with some pretty severe. PTSD, and this is his way of dealing with it, and he's raised his his daughter from a young age, living outdoors. I mean, the first maybe half hour of the movie, you just see their life, living in the woods, covering their tracks, um, but there's not a real sense of desperation in their life. They, they you know, Tom, the daughter, um, seems to be really fulfilled, and um, you know, it's clear when they are found and the tests are done to make sure that she's okay, that she's been, uh, her father's been educating her and she's actually above the, the education level she should be at. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's a really tender, beautifully shot. I mean, wonderful cinematography. I would highly recommend seeing this on the big screen. Um, Oregon and Washington look amazing although I think it was actually all shot in Oregon, but some of it takes place in Washington. Um, you know, I've spent some time in the Pacific Northwest myself and just love that area of the country, and this is a great testament to that. And but it's also about human connection and, you know, um, just sometimes no matter how much you love someone, you can't, you can't, save them or be with them and you know it's just a a beautiful tender yet ultimately really a heartbreaking film um uh, the two leads are exceptional in their performances but there was some other um some nice performances uh dale dickey who's usually in horror films uh and you wouldn't necessarily know her by name but you'd know her face if you watch genre pictures uh gives a great 
tender performance, very different from what she usually plays. She usually is cast as witches or drug addicts or ne'er-do-wells, and she is a very kind soul. And then uh, uh, Jeff Kober, who I barely recognized, but just a glimpse of him, uh, because he has a beard and he's older now, but he, he... was the antagonist in a film called The First Power that came in, out in the 80s, which is a horror film, and he's got a very menacing look about him. He almost has a... Although he's not Latino, he, he, he reminds me, and ever since I was a kid, he's reminded me of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Um, and again, he plays a very decent person in this as well. And uh, you know, But most of the film is the father and daughter alone together in the wilderness, and seeing what their relationship is like and um it's a it's a very beautiful film uh and i i can't recommend it enough um it's one of the best films i've seen so far this year i would give leave no trace a nine out of ten highly recommend it so those are the movies that i saw this week i'm uh i right now i'm recording this in in a break between watching mission impossibles uh i'm doing a marathon this week because i'd never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies and the new one comes out this coming weekend so I'm trying to plow through all of them. I'm in the middle of part three, or number three, so uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to it as soon as I turn off the recording of this. Uh, Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.